All right, friends of the podcast. What a weird way to start. All right. <laughs> like I'm a uh, radio DJ. Welcome to this episode. My name is Phil. This is Vertical Playpen. And this is the recording from the live podcast episode that I recorded at the Boost, which is Best Out of School Time conference that occurred a couple of weeks ago. A couple of things on this episode. It wasn't a room that the AC kept coming on and off. And I'll also add that my voice is not at its finest. I had just done a workshop, so this is coming off of uh, like an hour of yelling or loud speaking in order to vocalize to the room that I was in. So other than that, this is a phenomenal episode. I really, really enjoyed it because we talk about a concept that I think is really, really important. And that is the concept of connection. How do we facilitate connection with our groups and what are the pitfalls? And this is also full of tips. Welcome to the podcast. Glad you are here. And let's begin. Thank you all for being here. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to talk with other people and, and talk about our shared experiences together. What we're going to do is we're going to be talking about the concept of connection and how that is important when we facilitate and it really leads in and frames pretty much everything we do. But what I want to do first of all, before we even get into some questions or other topic areas, is to give an example. I'm going to experientially go through an activity that will really focus on the importance of connections and how, for the most part, when we meet people for the first time, our connections may often be very superficial. I think of like, uh, you know, the elevator moments we have with people where, where we share some information. So how this is going to work, and it actually works perfectly with the number we've got here, is in a moment you're going to find yourself a partner. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to time you, or you're going to have two minutes in total, and you're going to each one of those minutes is going to be isolated to each of you to share and introduce yourself to your partner. So you're going to have a minute to introduce yourself to your partner. Whatever information you want to share in the introduction is up to you, but you have one minute to do so. I will call out when that one minute has been, at which point you'll just swap. We're going to use also a frame of reference that I've mentioned before in the podcast that was shared to me by an educator called Chip Wood, who uh, founded Responsive Classroom. And this idea of uh, turn and listen, not turning and talking, which is like very classic in education, where it's like turn to your partner and talk about a subject, but turn to your partner and listen to someone discuss something. So while the person, one of your pair is introducing, the other person cannot interrupt. Yeah, you just have to listen that's partly intentional to be able to really pay attention to what's going on. And it's sometimes the case that people want to interrupt the introduced to say, I agree, I've also shared this. And really there you take away from the person sharing. You introduce, the other partner listens, and then you'll just swap roles. Once that's done, I'll then explain stage number two. There is a second stage of this. All right, so I'm going to time us. And uh, you can just find your neighbor. I think that is probably the easiest in this regard. And uh, your first minute to introduce, I guess you can decide who wants to share first. But your first minute begins now. So before we move on to the second round, what I'd like us to think on, reflect on, is what was the level or what was the, uh, the, the type or the genre, maybe, of the content that we would have shared in that initial one minute? My name's Ian Hockley. I'm the founder and executive director of Dylan's Wings of Change. I'm based in Monroe in Connecticut. 
think from my perspective, we went quite quickly to a professional level, like you know our, our, our job, but then also how we moved through that. Like we started here and then we moved into this thing. So it was a bit of the journey as well as what we do. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Phillips. I'm um, from Sacramento, California with a Catalyst family. And we actually had a good conversation starting off with um, where we're from and just kind of our our general geography and how that that started. And then a little bit more just uh, about, oh, well, we got kind of sidetracked on shoes and <laughs> then sidetracked side on, on jobs and friendships and, and other kind of fun things that are happening in our lives right now. If we think about both of those topics that were shared, we've got jobs. So there's the defining piece of us. And then also the location. Those are often from gener generalities, they tend to be the things that we anchor ourselves to. We talk about the job, we talk about where we're from. So this second round, what we're going to do is we're going to change up the partners. So you're going to find somebody else to introduce yourself. You'll have the same parameters in that you each have a minute to share while the other person listens. The only slight change in this round is that you cannot mention anything you previously mentioned. So everything you said in that first round is off the table, except of course you can share your name, but all of the other context of what you shared, you don't have an option to share in this one. So brand new partner, second round, another minute, but this time share something different than the last time. In that second round, what, were, what are people's reflections on how that felt and maybe also the content that was shared? Um, my name is Pete Silvius. I'm from Seguin, Texas, um, where I work for Seguin ISD as the director of whole child initiatives. Um, and the second round was, uh, was much more vulnerable conversation. It's like, wait a second. I don't know if I want to share like family stuff right now, <laughs> you know? So, so that was, uh, in a lot of ways harder, but, but also in a lot of ways, um, very, uh, very freeing to, to do that. We also got into that family piece, uh, and actually, it was when you almost gave us gave us permission to go there. You shared first um, about um, uh, about your kids, and that kind of gave gave me permission. And that we both have teenagers, you know, and so that's an that's an immediate connection. Didn't even have to share how amazing that can be or how terrible it is. Like you have a teenager, I have a teenager, so it's that's that's an instant moment. My assumption is you feel this as you experience this, the the second round more vulnerable and i love that that reference point but probably more connective if we if the point of an introduction is to try to connect with somebody our job description really doesn't connect unless the person is doing the exact same role as you at a similar organization or is identical there's more like oh that's good then what do we do now? Like, where do I go from here? Say that that's a cool job. That's about, that's as far as I go. But once we start to, and, and someone refer, uh, referenced this in a, a workshop, I led this in, a, I like this reference, was that the first round was the what, and then the second round was the why, which is a complete different way that we define stuff. Often, and I, people shared it in the first one, maybe the journey, and there's some of the why stuff there. But then it becomes a little bit more meaningful about like, why am I in the position? Why have I chosen these things? I've heard like the, the love of the outdoors or you start to hear a little bit more of the meaning behind why people want to share. There's a, uh, a wonderful guy. I've used his, um, his cards before, a guy called Jan Keck. He's based in Germany and he was in Canada, Canada for a while. And he has these ask deep questions cards and he frames them in three different categories. One is um, curious 
just curious about each other. And then the next one is um, brave. And then the third one is vulnerable. So each one has these kind of layers of conversation. And he's he's found from all the time using those cards, almost like he's had the opportunity through repetition to see the response to them, that when people do get to that point of vulnerable, when they do have conversations that are a little bit more vulnerable, the opportunity for connection and the deepness of that connection is obviously much much greater and therefore those people then end up having a better rapport and support each other more and and I think that that's I think it's such an important thing when we try to connect individuals as a facilitator that we consider you have to you have to frame it in a way that in this one as an example there is choice even though it's vulnerable there's no pressure to share things that may be more vulnerable you still had the ownership of the sharing but the the forcing it not to have that first one kind of invites you into a little bit more vulnerability. So I think that that is obviously going to build a greater connected unit. And I, this is my opinion, and this is where I'm going to open up to this group to have a bit of more discussion over, over connections. I use this activity to kind of highlight the point that I think when I go and see uh, facilitated programs, if they do get to know you activities, and I'm using air quotes here, I'm not entirely sure that they actually get have people get to know each other. I think what we often see people do is name sharing and some maybe superficial or light connection, but not to the point where even in the second round we were able to do it with with this group right here. So I'd love other people's thoughts on connections as we introduce a program. Let's say we've got a group here for the first time. What cut and level of connection activity maybe people do? And if they've seen pros or cons or either. And feel free to disagree with my statement that I think they're maybe a little superficial. But yeah, I open it up to the floor. Like Let's have a uh, discussion around our thoughts on connection activities. So in that context, um, you know, the connection activities, okay, we need to connect, then we'll get on to some other stuff, right? Whatever that other stuff is. And actually, you know, that that's the wrong way around. You know, the whole thing is about connection, right? The whole thing is about connection. And it's, you know, in many ways, just getting everybody to roughly the same spot ready to connect. Because some people come in like ready to tell you their deepest, darkest secrets. And other people like, you're getting my name and my number and that's it. So it's about just getting everybody opened up. So that, whereas people think, oh, we're doing the connection bit. No, we're not. We're just getting everybody talking and open and a little more comfortable. Then we can start the real connections. So I, I like the way, you know, the, the way you explain that one is just that, Everybody has a chance to catch up to be in the same spot. The, the person who's ready to share, it's all going to come out anyway. And as those people that are just a little more reticent, eventually they'll run into those people. And as we had, they'll get permission. Oh, it's okay to share here. Hey, this is Sam. I work at High Five with Phil. Um, what I really appreciate about this activity is that it highlights our need and desire to connect with other people. And like you said, sometimes we aren't willing to put ourselves out there right away. But what I noticed in both rounds with both of my partners is that whoever went second was commenting or connecting what they were sharing based on what the person who went before them. So with Elizabeth, it was she ended talking about my shoes and I started talking about my roommate and uh, best friend, Hannah, who let me borrow them for the week. And then over here with Pete, it was like I shared about being a triplet and he talked about his twins. And and just like, I think I'll be curious as we run this activity tomorrow with a lot of people, if that keeps coming up. Like, I'm not going to just say all these things about myself and then the person next to me in any connection activity, like they're not going to just ignore everything I said and not 
comment on it or trying to make some sort of connection. That's how we have conversations with people. Sam, that was a really interesting thought. And it kind of made me think as doing these activities and as we get to meet people and kind of that connection of the ability to kind of have that reciprocity in the conversation and being able to say, to see the the uh, the likes or the commonalities or to be able to kind of piggyback on each other with those type of traits versus sometimes I think when we do come into these conversations or when we do come into these initial get to know you activities, it's like, let me make my statement. And then somebody else makes my statement very much kind of like, let me make my Facebook post. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't, you know, but in versus like really getting into like the commenting or the, uh, that, 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 that reciprocity back and forth, which for me, that reciprocity is really what is going to kind of that relationship building and that connection piece, because that's where, um, that's where there's that shared element of it. You know, I think about, I really like this activity. I haven't done this one uh, and I really like it. Um, I, If I was to categorize how I feel about icebreakers and get to know you activities, I would say I hate them all. I hate them all. <laughs> and um, and I think most people hate them all. And um, But yet, yet we have this sense of that, oh, well, that's how we start activity. But I think that the reason why we all hate them is that there's – a level of we distance ourselves from the authentic and and we do that on purpose i think it's defense mechanism um but i i also think it's it's kind of poor planning you know and so if we're really thinking about what's the outcome that we have for this group the icebreaker should be right in line with what that outcome is so to your point it's not that you do this and then you get into the real work if you do this authentically, then then the icebreaker is tied directly to what the end end game is, and so I think that this illustrates that just really nicely. Yeah. The connection before content, and I, and I've heard that phrase used a lot. I almost think that the work we do, the connection is the content, right? So, and I think sometimes we do uh, separate it and just think that okay. I know that the general rule, and I'm using air quotes again, is that I have to do. And a name game, an icebreaker, a get to know yous, and then I'm then I and maybe some energizers. Like there's all these different terms, but we we're in this like habit of thinking there's a sequence that we have to do, and I think that's where you get a lot of the eye rolls. You know, that's where team building gets a bad rap, right? Like we have to do a lot of buy-in work to even try to remind people that this stuff is good stuff. And I think mean, some to what you said, uh, Ian, it's like. Connection is the activities. We we don't have to frame it as like, okay, I'm going to do this connection thing here. I'm just initiating. I'm opening the door. I'm I'm creating the opportunity. I even think like for me, I've been fighting and I, I, I did a post on Instagram recently and I said my ask to educators and facilitators is don't do name games first. And I got a little pushback. And I got pushback, I think, because of the tradition. And my thought was there has to be a why you're just going to do it often I find name games aren't that exciting anyway they're the dullest of our icebreaker groups of, of activities and so we do this because we want to learn names and the group may know each other and it's often for the facilitator I don't know your name so let's do this thing and like so you're going to waste half an hour of their time you learning their name stick a name tag on them if that's the the aim right and so I think that I, I always advocate do activities do some fun stuff, anything light that has several lack of rules or like it's not heavy in rules. It's easy to understand. It's fun. It's engaging. Do that. And then later in the line, you just have authentic conversation to learn names. Just give opportunity for this kind of discussion where people will learn their names anyway. Um, yeah, Ian. 
I think what you said there that there's there's labels on the activities. We we do it's pizza and we're doing an icebreaker that I roll start. So when when you when you don't give it a label, people are, are a a little uncertain, but also they're open to whatever might happen. And you know we stop using team building; it just seems so hackneyed. We go for team bonding mm-hmm. and trust building because that ultimately to get connection, you actually need people to trust each other. To, you know, to the vulnerability aspect coming in. And that just comes through time. You know, like that, the, the, the icebreakers, call them whatever, the connection, they're still, that doesn't build the trust. They actually need to have been together for some period of time before they're prepared to get genuine. You know, until then, my mask is up. You're going to see what I show the outside world until I really trust you. And that's two, three, four hours into programming sometime before everybody's just comfortable being there. And some aren't fully. So it's it's about time. So back to that, you know, the, the content is the connection. I love that. So just in terms of this activity, and we can we can carry this conversation going, but I just want a reference for the listeners as well. This This activity was new to me only maybe two months ago. So I ran a, a work a conference and I shared that with Sam and it w- I, I was struck by how well it worked. It's simple and it's like concept, right? Just don't say the previous thing. But I think what we've we noticed was that it actually was a meaningful way to introduce and actually kind of like I there's icebreakers. I prefer that they're called ice makers because I don't think that that's truly what they do. I don't think they break anything. They make it. They like it makes everyone awkward and tense and it's like all right, well we just made a bunch of ice. I used this, I tried it, and I was like, okay. And that reframed in my point, my mind what the point of some of this stuff is. And I think that that's the other piece around what's the benefit of connection is, is, is trying to justify the whys when we end up ever analyzing our programming and not doing just because. You know, at High Five, we t- teach thinking practitioners. And the, the mindset behind that is that by the time you leave a training, whatever the training is, you know the reason why you do certain things. And if someone said to you, like, Pete, why are you doing this activity? You don't say, well, Phil told me I have to do this. Like, that's a pa- that's a poor answer, that the answer is, oh, I do this because it gets me this, this, and this, or it gets the group this, and this, and this, whatever the rationale, but you understand the rationale. And it really, what that once that does that, and once you open your mindset to the idea that that's the way I'm going to create programming, I think what it does is completely change the way that we were taught originally. And I think that it's important for us as educators to always start questioning the reasons why we're doing stuff because I think that's why we either get ourselves into a rut and be like, I'm bored with this. And then if you're bored with it, good luck being authentic to the program because you'll be like going through the motions. But then as well, the group needs to feel like it's new, it's novel. Like adventure anyway, adventure education is novel and it has risk. And so the novelness is taken away if you do activities that everyone and their dog has seen, right? Like it's, it gets to a point where it's like everyone's seen these things, okay? If helium hoop irritates everyone, stop using helium hoop. There's no law that says you have to do helium hoop. I actually like that activity if I use it a certain way. But if I'm just going to put it into a group, like it tends to be, I found that like it's the, one of the first 10 activities that a facilitator learns, please don't like teach that. <laughs> if that's the if you're going to teach that to someone, that's not a great start because it just ir- irritates everyone. And it's a hard one to reflect on. So I think that would be my like piece on this is trying to really analyze how we're connecting and what the point is and making it more novel and analyzing the why and realizing if the point is to connect someone, scrap some of the things that don't actually connect.
It's another activity, slightly different again. Um, I don't have a necessarily a big lesson about this one other than this is new activity for me and I want to share it again. Uh, this is called uh, Pass the Questions. Often there are, like, you might, and I'm not a fan of this, and I put that out there. We're going to go around the circle, and we're going to share our name. We're going to share, uh, if we had a superpower, what would we have? I do not like that activity. I can say that quite clearly. And the reason I don't is because I think, once again, what's the point? And what you'll find is that people will go around, they share the name, and they're so stressed about their answer to the question that they really don't pay attention to what is being shared by other people. There's the anxiety as it comes around to them. Oh, gosh, my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Oh, thank goodness I did that. And you ignore all the ones after you. All right, so people aren't really paying attention. And so um, with this one, only one person has to answer the questions, but then new questions are going to get generated. We're essentially like passing an invisible thing around this group. So I'm going to give two questions. And if anyone here, you have some time to think about it, wants to share their answers to that those two questions, then they can. And then you'll present to the group two random other questions and then we'll popcorn that kind of idea of sharing questions and in doing so we might learn some unique concepts about people from the questions one we learn something about people either by the questions they share they ask and then also the ones they answer there's two opportunities to learn about someone here i'm going to start my questions are if you could be any animal what animal would you be and then my second but more meaningful question is uh, would you rather fight a hundred horses that are the size of a duck or one duck that is the size of a horse. This is Elizabeth, and I've kind of got a preface to this. I have like a small, larger than small, obsession with ducks. So the fact that there is either, you know, the, the, the duck-sized horses or the horse-sized duck, I have to say, because I'm a lover of ducks, not a fighter of ducks, I would probably choose the horse-sized duck because I would want to ride the duck. And I would want to tame it, and I would want to, not necessarily tame it, but I would want it to, for it and I to become best friends. And so that this duck and I would be able to go on adventures. And so that's not the answer you were going. But now you all know a little bit about my duck obsession and my random fantasies of riding ducks. Uh, so that's, that's where we'll, we'll see how that takes us. And what animal? If you could be in any animal, what would you be? Oh, if I could be any animal. Is it a duck? <laughs> <laughs> um, it might be a duck, but actually, I really like otters. There's just something about an otter. They're very playful, yet they're very down to business. Mm. So. And something I didn't preface is even as we're answer, even as the individuals answering, you can see by the group if they agree or they have a, have a by their head shakes. I often like it. This is an audio podcast, so but there's this symbol with like agreeing. So I'm essentially I'm like doing like the hang loose, I think symbol, but like moving it towards myself as a way of like saying, yeah, I get it too. I agree. And I think that that's really beneficial for when people share an answer of like seeing that they're not alone in a response. So I appreciate it. And so thank you for sharing. Now, two questions. Do you have two questions to the group? Um, so first question is, what's your preference? Chocolate or cheese? <laughs> Chocolate or cheese. And then the second question being, um, if you had to, let's say, have one drink for one whole month, what would you choose to be your drink? What would be your beverage of choice? Cheese. <laughs> yeah, not chocolate. Um, and, and I'm going to take the boring answer of just iced tea. I can drink iced tea all day long, all night long. So, yeah, here's a question I, I like to use with some of my kids sometimes. So if you could pick any, if money was no object and you could go shopping for a car right now, what would the car be? 
The second question for your birthday, do you want a pie or a cake? So quick to grab the mic. Give it Well, no, I love dessert, but pie is the one dessert I don't like. So cake, hands down. I would want like a decked out Sprinter van. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Period. That's it. If today was your birthday and you had a dessert in front of you with candles in it, what would that dessert be? And my second question, based on our traveling yesterday, on a scale of headphones in, head down, to talking the entire time, regardless of if people want you to talk to them (laughs) or not, who are you on an airplane? (laughs) Not by default last year, but um, so it would be the apple and blackberry crumble that my mom makes is just the best dessert, and it would have yellow custard on top, British custard. So that's that's hands down. Um, not good for candles; that that would be quite a mess, but that's great. Um, and on that plane, I go in open to let's see what happens. I always just say hi, how are you? They just check in and see where the other person's at because you get both the deluge of, oh, or they're just like, yeah, fine. So I just see what's there and I'm prepared to be either way, but I do love to listen to people's stories. So I do hope they've got at least something to share. But nine times out of 10, they're just, yeah, I'm having a good day. <laughs> Gone. And I'm okay with that. And to round it out, you can share two questions and I have to answer them. There, there we'll go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be um, the, the pizza topping that you would like fight for. Like if it was to be outlawed, you would fight and say, no, there is no way that pizza topping is off the map. And if you could go back in, the, in history, or it could be someone alive today, who would you want to meet and why would you want to meet them? Classic. That, that's a great question. Um, the, the pizza topping would be meat. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's too broad. Um, but uh, it's like any, yeah, if there's, if, if, if meat was off the table, I think maybe like a sausage meat. I do like a, like a sausage meat. I'm not like pepperoni's great, but I like it's a bit standard. Um, so I would maybe, maybe fight for that. Although if I'm going to be honest to you, the combination of cheese and tomato sauce and notice I said tomato and I'm going to for you, Ian, say tomato. Um, that, both of those combinations don't sit well with my stomach. So pizza for me is always one of those, like, I, I like it, but I know that my body won't. So I have to take it moderation. And then um, the person, it would be, you would know this person, maybe others would too, Sir David Attenborough. Um, he voiced a lot of, like, the planet shows and the, the animal shows. As a kid, that was my TV of choice. Like I, I idolized that guy. Ended up doing outdoor education, as I said to some other people, and that was like some inspiration around like, oh, I, you know, love that world. And uh, he's one of these people who I think when part when he passes, he's the one celebrity I think that would actually make me tear up. Like it, there's a there's a there's a uh, personal connection there from my fam my history, you know, of watching him as a kid. That I think like that would be traumatic so yeah that i would love to meet him so no doubt he listens to this <laughs> or some of his people listen to this so if you're listening david uh, please reach out as, as he likes to be called by me dave uh, <laughs> we we are coming to the end of our time together but I, I i would love like just to get like final thoughts or maybe a, maybe a tip or a piece of advice from each of us 
to our listeners, because once again, there's there's experience in this space here around how we may facilitate and the connections. And we've talked about maybe some of our general thoughts on our opinions about some of them. And we've given a couple of examples of activities, but maybe one piece of advice that you think would be an essential thing for a facilitator to be aware of when you're talking about connection activities. And I'm going to start it. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of time to think about it. But my one piece of advice, if I had to choose just one, would be active participation as a facilitator. I think even though that we're not an active maybe member of that group that we're going to be immersed in, aka we're not, we, they leave and we don't leave with them, I think it's role modeling the opportunity for what that connection might look like. And it also shows that there's a level of respect between you and them that you actually care about wanting to learn who they are. Um, especially in my work as adventure ed education, when I end up belaying them and getting them a high or I put them into a risky position, I, I like to feel like I'm connected with that group beforehand. And I think they're more likely to trust me than I'm just this stranger uh, uh, Someone used this phrase one time and I liked it and I've used it a bunch in this podcast, but instead of it being a, a sage on the stage, like the TED Talks things, instead of a sage on the stage, you're a guide on the side. And I think that that is what I would define as facilitation anyway. And so I think that you're, you're a part of that group. So active participation would be my uh, piece of advice for connection. Um, I think about challenge zones. So we've got our comfort zone, stretch zone and panic zone and Think beyond yourself. Like just because an activity is in your comfort zone doesn't mean it's in everybody else's. And thinking about how we're all different and creating opportunities for people to have partner connection opportunities or small group or even sometimes reflecting and then how can we share without everybody having to speak or have all the attention on them if that's not what they're comfortable with. So just thinking about where people are at and just because you feel one way doesn't mean everybody else does. So I think this is not necessarily advice, but almost a plea. Um, comes back to, you know, that the connection is the content. We got to double down on this more than ever. We've been through a massive dis disconnection the last 18 months. And especially if we're working with younger kids, they may not have any connection skills. They may have missed out on a certain vital point. And so what we thought of, we've talked about icebergs, those things, you know, spend more time on that, double the time, treble the time, adjust um, your participants and, and, and indeed your, your sponsors or whoever's bringing you in, their perception of what this needs to be and almost advise them, no, we, we this is the direction we need to go, you know, guided by your group and what you see, but don't think that the connection is going to be as automatic as it used to be two or three years ago because everybody's in a whole different space. We've all been affected by that. I think one of the things that's really been standing out to me lately, kind of in line with that, is that it's not a one and done. And it's not that it's just something you come in and because it's typically seen as the first thing on the agenda, you're going to do your connection activity and then you're going to move into the, you know, the meat of your agenda, the meat of why you're there. And so that connection needs to happen ongoing and throughout and to take the time and to take the breaks throughout the, the, the facilitation throughout the workshop, throughout whatever the adventure is to make more opportunities to connect and that it's, um, whether it's connecting back with the original person that you may have started with, connecting back with new people, finding those opportunities to build that in so that it's a continuum throughout the, throughout the journey versus just the kind of the starting line. This is, it's actually a very complex question that you just asked. Um, and, uh, and so it's making my mind go to a lot of different places, but, I want to just hit on two things I think are important. One is that that connection, connection I believe is is a regulated brain 
function. Often our kids are not going to be in that regulated brain. So the connection is not even, it's an unrealistic expectation if we're not meeting all the environmental physiological needs first. So, so we've got to check ourselves on that. And then the other one that is lifelong work, um, for, for me and something I struggle with, um, every day, how does my identity and my bias play into what I perceive to be the outcomes? Like, Am I, am I trying to create connection, but actually what I'm trying to do is create assimilation into what I believe is the world that I can relate to. And so, and that's like, that's a whole, that's a, that's a podcast series, I believe right there. So, um, so that I hate to even bring it up cause I don't have the answers. It's lifelong work for me. Yeah. Thank you to each of you for sharing and thank you for this time. Every time I ever get to have a conversation with any people, I tend to find that the podcast for me is an excuse to spend more time talking about this stuff, which I think is so important for us to do. So as people are listening to this, I encourage you to have some of these conversations with some of your peers close by and, and analyze it a little bit more and have these opportunities to connect. Because even in this last you know, hour that this group has been together or 45 minutes, I feel a little bit more connected to each one of you by the things that we've shared and the conversation, the depth of the conversation. So I'm appreciative of this group and I'm appreciative of you for listening. As a reminder, once again, um, if you have any uh, questions or feedback for the podcast, you can always reach out at our email, podcast at highfiveadventure.com org or find me on instagram at vertical playpen and you can dm me there and you'll find me there and i always respond so uh, thank you everyone hope you are staying safe and stay connected and i will see you on the next episode all right thank you friends thank you thanks for listening to vertical playpen and then what about Thanks for listening to High Five's podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>